Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Awesome. Tyler, um, Rebecca, Michelle, and Cassidy, you guys can come up and uh, you guys can give them a hand, a warm welcome. Okay, cool. Cassidy is coming up first. Uh, the, the, the rest of the guys uh, uh, are kind of going to come up in, uh, in, in singles. Um, Cassidy is unfortunately married, so for all of the guys that were wondering, um, to Tyler, he's a big guy, she's taken. Um, so uh, Cassidy is just going to share, and uh, the rest of the team um, is just going to share Michelle and Rebecca, just something um, that has impacted them in their relationship with God or testimony, and then from there, um, Tyler's going to come up and share the word with us and also share just a personal testimony from his side. So I thank you, Father, just for this time together, for um, the Jesus Church team. I thank you, Father, just for everything that you've put on their heart to uh, share with us this morning, that it's going to be uh, an impactful time. It's going to be a blessing to all of us. And I thank you, Dad, that each one of us gets to receive something from them this morning. And I want to encourage you, open up your hearts. Have your heart open, ready soft, pliable to, to what God wants to do this morning and how He wants to minister to you specifically and uniquely through each one of these individuals that's going to be sharing this morning. I thank you, Father, just for your Holy Spirit leading them and just inspiring them um, how to share and what to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. Um, yeah, uh, super cool to just have this opportunity to talk um, and even talking like with Shane and um, just like you guys are already, I was talking about community. I wanted to talk about community today. Um, and Shane already has like put that out. Huh? Aiton, Aiton, yes. <laughs> um, but just the leadership here that we've already met has already like just talked about it. And even Haley, just like her heart for people and, um, I, growing up, I really closed myself off to a lot of people <laughs> until I came to know the Lord. And then coming to our church in Michigan, um, just like my sister-in-law, she asked me how I am every single time I see her, whether I ask her back. And usually I'm like, oh, I'm doing okay or whatever. And then she asked me why. And just her like input into my life. And um, like she doesn't care if I ask her back because it's not about her. And then being able to receive that as my own revelation and being like, this life is not about me and it's not about how I'm feeling. And that's the biggest thing that we can get caught up into is like my feelings, like, and even like sickness too. I've been going through a little bit of that and just having my eyes on myself. And then once I instantly took my eyes off myself, it went away because I wasn't focusing on what was going on in my body. It was about other people and like, um, yeah, I'm one of the nervous people that talk on the microphone, if you can't tell. I'm like shaking. <laughs> um, my husband's the talker of the relationship. So. Um, but yeah, just community and uh, how that's so important in everything and just coming from, not from that, um, and then being welcomed into a church family that has community has really blessed my life and opened up to my heart to a lot of people because like even if I open my heart up, it doesn't give them the right, the right to hurt me because my heart belongs to Jesus before anybody else. And um, 
I learned that too with the Lord that like I always was scared to put it out there because I was going to get hurt but he's like I got you so um, yeah that's it <laughs> uh, I'm Michelle and uh, just first off I wanted to share um, that when we were singing, I was been so blessed to be here, like so blessed to be here. It's a, the exact same spirit that we have in Michigan in the U.S. in Jesus Church, the exact one spirit here. It's been beautiful and refreshing. <laughs> I'm a little emotional. Um, <laughs> Tyler and I, we get emotional in church, don't we, at Jesus Church too? <laughs> I usually sit over here, and he always sits over here, and I always see him out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got that, too. <laughs> but it's just been a beautiful, similar um, experience. And I had a picture um, of, a, of a mountain, like not Table Mountain, not a flat one, but a regular pointed mountain, and like lava that was coming out and coming down really slow and thick. And I just, it was like, I felt like that was this community, like you guys are coming, not like a flood, you know, to flood the community, but like a just coming slow and just going to permeate your whole community. I don't know, that's what I saw when we were worshiping, it was beautiful. Um, so yeah, our pastor Dylan asked me to, you know, asked us to share a testimony, and I thought about it for a second and just was kind of praying. Nothing sprung to mind immediately, like something that had happened in the last week or whatever, but what, hap what did come to me, I'll try to make it concise. It is my testimony, but it's something that happened um, in my family that I want to give God glory for, and in a word of encouragement, like um, both of the brothers here were talking about circumstances and giving this word of encouragement. I... Um, I don't always share this because at home people know who my family is. I was speaking, I don't see her now, with Jolene, and she was saying how blessed she is to have her family worship. So my family worships with me. I have a daughter that's 28 and a son that's 25, and then my baby's 16. And we all are able most of the time to worship together. My oldest daughter is married, and she and her husband serve on the worship team. Actually, they're leading worship at uh, Jesus Church right now, or, or uh, in a little while, but... They got married in 2015. Oh, I was saying all that to tell you that. I don't necessarily share this there because it's a personal story for them, but it was just so much in my heart to share today. It's because that God is so faithful. And sometimes we think things are dead, that, um, that he's just waiting to revive. They're like in the grave for those three days, right? But they're going to come back to life. And I just feel like God wants me to share this story a little bit for what he did in my heart and that it's never too late. Somebody had, did you have a word like that somewhere? It's never too late that God can do anything. He can resurrect the dead. And um, my daughter and her husband, believers, got married in 2015. Very close family and doing things together all the time. They're at the church. They're uh, helping in ministry. They weren't leading them, but they were helping in ministry. And <clears throat> very busy. She was going back to get her master's program. They had their own little home, no children. And I, it just slipped off my radar. I could tell that something wasn't right, but I thought it's because there, he was working 12-hour days as a nurse, and she's, going to, she's working 
eight and nine hour days and going to school in the evenings for her degree. And I just thought they're just disconnected because of their lifestyle and it's almost over. You know, she had just another year left of school and I didn't pay attention. And one day after a worship service, one night, she said to me, I have to tell you something. And uh, I was, I mean, it hit me. <laughs> Talk about circumstances and things. It hit me like out of left field. I did not see it coming. I didn't know how to respond. She's like, um, Steve and I are separated and we're going to get a divorce. Like we had been doing everything. I can't tell you, like we're having Sunday dinners together. We're going to the beach. We're doing these things. I knew something was off, but I was like, what? What are you talking about? We're, yeah, we're seeing it. lawyers. We're getting a divorce. And I was like, you just have to know me. I can, the, part of my story is that how controlling I can be. I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, like, she's like, you can't control everything. Yes, we are. I said, no, I won't accept it. I refuse to accept that. In hindsight, that probably wasn't my best response, but it was just my nature. It was like, no, no, this is not happening. And she's like, sometimes these things just happen. I said, not this time. And I know that's not necessarily the right way to respond, but it was my mother's heart and a past. Uh, pastor's heart too and uh, I was said okay all right and I'm listening to her story listening to her story and uh, went home that night just wrecked you know what I'm saying just like wrecked like Lord you know and there's the guilt and the condemnation that comes on me as a mom and what did I do wrong and how did I see this and why had I intervened and I'm the pastor here too and all these crazy things and then I was like okay <clears throat> and uh, just to try to condense this story it just kept getting worse. Like the more I tried to help and to share my heart, the the, word, they, the more that it was like they were digging in their heels. And there was such a deadness. That's what I want to tell you. When I would talk to him, and those of, that know my uh, my son-in-law Steve is very much like Tyler, very full of life. Everything's funny. Everything. Let's do everything. Everything's funny. That deadness in his eyes. That total lack of any type of emotion for my daughter whatsoever and hers towards him. It, it was like heart-wrenching, because every time we would get, it was also going into the holidays, like the Thanksgiving holiday at the US, and then Christmas. And they kept trying to do things together a little bit longer because the rest of the family didn't know. And I was just like, you know, anyways. Um, and I just saw that in him. And uh, here's what I want to just try to condense this down to. I started praying, and I was just like, Lord, I know I can't control. I know people get divorced, and you still, their lives are blessed. They go on. I know I have people in my, you know, I know that. But this feels wrong to me. This feels like this is not, like 100% not your will. This, And um, he started speaking to me, and he gave me a scripture in Jeremiah 33 that's, um, in this wasteland where you say that's not fit for beast or, or man and there's no habitation, once again, the voice of the bride and the bridegroom will be heard with rejoicing. It's in, I think, Jeremiah 33. And something about that verse, I was like, that's, that's for me. And I had a little drawer in my kitchen and I had little things of communion in there and I would pull those out and I would just lay that scripture on the counter and just read that scripture and take that and just continue to meet with it with my daughter mostly because, to be honest, I felt like she had the furthest to go in the reconciliation and what needed to happen. Um, and so 
just kept working with her and just the deadness. I'd walk away and just be so discouraged and walk away. And one day we came into church and I looked down and she had her wedding ring on. And I was like, stay calm, Michelle. <laughs> stay calm. <laughs> Don't ruin it. But that was that little tiny flicker of like something is coming to life. And she had made a decision to believe me, which was really just believing the Holy Spirit that you can choose. You can choose whether your feelings are there. She was getting nothing back from her husband. And I can't tell you how opposite that, that is of the two of them. She's more of the black and white and no. And he's the full of life, but this was switched now. He was just dead. And she's trying a little bit, and he's not responding at all. But the end of the story is that God slowly, slowly started to melt their hearts. If I would have seen someone raised from the dead, it would not have affected me any greater than what I saw him do in this relationship. Not one bit. Slowly God resurrected that and started to mend their hearts together. And now it's 2022. They are married. I just had my first grandbaby in September, two of them. They're leading worship. I'm just telling you, I feel like God wants me to encourage you that there's nothing too far gone. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your own marriage, whether whatever it is, a parent, a child, whatever, there's nothing too far gone. He is the God of life. And uh, it's an honor to be here and to get to share that with you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I just want to compliment you all on, this is going to be weird, but your voices are so beautiful. <laughs> oh, man. I feel the need to kind of apologize for our very nasally Midwestern American accents. I'm talking to everybody, and I'm like, man, you guys just, like, you know, can sneeze, and it sounds great, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to Haley singing, I'm like, I had to like pause for a second. I'm like, is that an angel? Is there an angel in this room right now? This is amazing. But yeah, um, I really appreciate you talking about this word behold and just this concept. I wasn't going to share on this, but um, it's something the Lord's kind of been showing me. Um, I love the Gospel of John or the um, Gospel according to John. And at the very beginning of the, the book, um, I think it's verse 29, it's... Um, John the Baptist, and he sees Jesus approaching him, and he's uh, all excited. And in my head, I kind of picture him like throwing his arms out like this, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it is very much a proclamation, what he's saying, but it's also, it's exactly like you said, it's an invitation. You know, there are people all around them, and he's saying, Come get to know this Lamb of God. Like, come get to know this Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's just Jesus' life, and Jesus is just a constant invitation of come take my hand and know me, like come know me. So I just wanted to share that. It's beautiful. I appreciate you bringing that up. But um, yeah, uh, recently um, the Lord actually brought something back up to my heart that he um, kind of spoke to us back at Jesus Church, um, and we were praying before service. This was like probably a year and a half ago. And um, I really just felt like the Lord said, my pursuit of hearts never ceases. Um, 
And that's true for everybody, but specifically in that moment, I just felt like it was geared towards um, believers. And I realized that subconsciously, um, sometimes, and I'm going to use, I'm going to try to explain this like with a picture, I guess, but um, I realized that subconsciously in my own heart, um, I kind of was likening the Lord to a fisherman, I guess, in this specific instance where, you know, I kind of just pictured the Lord in a boat and he was working really hard to catch this one specific fish. And when he did, he kind of threw it off into um, a cooler and moved on to the next one because he like captured it and it was his. And then he completely just disregarded it, which is kind of crazy um, to explain. But that's just kind of how I was, uh, I guess, just again, subconsciously seeing the situation of, okay, I was once a non-believer and and now like the Lord, he's got me. um, And, you know, I don't know. But um, I just wanted to encourage you with that is um, more than more than anything, I think, you know, you think about covenant and just marriage and um, marriage is the best example to use. But uh, when you marry someone, I've, I've noticed in the lives of my sweet, amazing friends who are married, um, the pursuit almost heightens. But it's cool to think about like from the time, you know, before you were you to when you were a child, to when, you know, you didn't know the Lord all the way up until, you know, now where you are. The Lord's heart for you has never changed. You know, his passion for your life, his passion for your heart, it's never changed and it's never going to. It's consistent. He's consistent in his love um, and his, his pursuit for you and of you will never change. It will never go away and it will never lessen. Um... So yeah, I wanted to just share that with you guys, but we're we're just really grateful to be here. <laughs> so oh, hallelujah, man. The girls just hit it on the head. Everything. I was telling Eaton. It's just beautiful that um where we're from in America, like he was saying, it's the same Jesus. Right? The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And it's just, it's amazing that, that God doesn't hold back anything from us. It's all, it's all, am I good? Am I good on the mic? Am I up and down a little bit? I'm good? Okay. I didn't know if I was up and, I'm sorry. Um, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing gift that we've been given is the, the same Spirit that lived on the inside of Jesus. We don't receive a half of His Spirit. We don't receive a third. We don't receive some. We don't receive as much as we give. That's how much He gives back to us. No, He freely gives to us His Spirit. And the Bible says that it was His good pleasure to give us His Spirit. He liked that. Like for me, I love chocolate, right? It's something that you don't have to ask me twice. There's always room in my stomach. That's just the way God created me. But I, I love that, right? God loved putting His Spirit on the inside of you. And we have to believe that. We have to love. Hold on. Not only did He love putting His Spirit on the inside of me, but His whole entire Spirit lives on the inside of me. And if His Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me, then there must be a plan for my life. There must be a purpose for my life. And that's what, that's what we have been experiencing since we've been here. And it's the same thing in America. 
is that's what we're experiencing at our church is is that Jesus that that died and rose again lives on the inside of us and we all are being given that same invitation and it's just it's a hand his hand is reaching towards us i think it's in ephesians it's in a different translation but it says that jesus is on a knee presenting us with a ring and he's just simply saying do you want to take this ring and put it on you and it's a choice just like michelle said every single day to put on the ring and call myself his because he longs for me to believe that he longs for me to think those things about him that he loves me that he wants to embrace me that his arms are open and he's like do you want to open your arms as well he doesn't force us to do anything he's not crossing his arms not understanding he's longing for us to just simply embrace him i love it in romans 1 16 it says um for i am unashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of god to salvation for all those who believe the gospel is our power you guys the gospel is our strength it's the thing that god gave us to say remind yourself of this and remind yourself of this and remind yourself of this and when you remind yourself of this this is when you will be endued with power this is when you will be strengthened and it's not so much of a power to lay hands on the sick although we are given that we are given power to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover to cast out demons but I love that the power of God has a lot to do with loving the world as well, is being patient with the world, is being kind to the world, is about turning from the world what they've decided to give you and you've actually decided to flip that and say, no, I love you. The power of God in my life has been used for loving people a lot more than laying hands on the sick, although I've gotten to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, and it's an amazing thing. But to step in front of somebody who has done me wrong and to embrace them and to love them and for them to go, do you not remember what it was that I did to you last week? And you're like, no, I've completely forgotten. Why? Because the same spirit that lived on the inside of Jesus, my king lives on the inside of me, and now I've been empowered and I get to forgive you. I get to love you. I get to embrace you. And they're like, why do you do that? Because he, because he reveals himself through my love. What an invitation. What an invitation that he says, I get to reveal myself through you. And it's biblical. Go to, uh, go to Matthew 5. I know you bring the word Eaton, so I know you guys have probably talked about this, but it's just a simple tool to help us walk out this life. It's a simple tool to empower us to live the life that God has always called us to live, which is empowered by God, which is a light unto the world. Can we all raise our hands at some point and say that there is a lot of darkness in this world? Right? But God put His light on the inside of us. Why? Because, because darkness can't hide when light steps in the room. It just has no choice. So when we step in the world and we step on the scene, people are like, what is this that I see? And this is what it is that they get to see. Right here, Matthew 5, verse 13. 
It says, you are the salt of the earth. Say, I am the salt. Man. We need to declare that over ourselves, that we are the salt daily. You get to. It's an invitation. And when you do, it's the power of God working through your life, and you step on the scene and you're salty. (laughs) Is that a joke here in South Africa, being salty to somebody? In America, if you're salty, it's somebody that's like, uh, uh, how do I explain this? Huh? Yeah, it has a bad attitude. They're just kind of rude, so we say, oh, they're salty. But we must be salty to this world, right? Give them flavor. Help them understand why the church is a beautiful thing. It's not a cuss word. In America, church is a cuss word. That's a sad thing. Because we haven't embraced the love of God in our hearts, but we call ourselves Christians. And Jesus is looking for us to look at Jesus and behold Jesus. And in beholding Jesus, we look like Jesus. It says in, uh, I'll say 2 Corinthians, we say 2 Corinthians in America, but in 2 Corinthians 3, (laughs) verse 18, it says, Beholding as in a mirror the Lord. We are being transformed into His image. What does that mean? When I get alone with God and I get intimate with God, I get to believe that I'm looking right at Him and He's looking at me. And the image that I'm bearing is the one that I am being transformed into. You realize why people walk around depressed. It's because they keep looking at depression as in a mirror. People walk around in darkness because they continue to look at darkness. And they're like, I don't know why God isn't doing anything in my life. And I'm like, He's already done it. It was finished. So we have to look at the finished work of Jesus to start walking out the finished work of Jesus. And it's not a you have to, it's a you get to. It's an invitation. And it leads to this. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt salt loses its flavor, or we forget who we are, how how shall the earth be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. Say, I am the light of the world. You are. (laughs) You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It can't be. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and He said that would be silly. Why would we light a lamp? Why would we turn on... I was trying to... That's not a... I don't think that's a lamp. But why would we light a candle and put it under something? That would, that would be silly. That would make no sense. But a lot of times we, we live in this thing called Christianity and we don't understand why God lives on the inside of me. We think that one day that Jesus just wants to take me to heaven. And so in, in, in that mindset of Jesus just wants to take me to heaven, death becomes our Savior. And it says, when I die, then I'll be saved. No, no, no. Jesus says, today is the day of salvation. Today I've put myself on the inside of you. Today I've given you my spirit. 
And we got to start believing that. The Bible says in Romans 12, it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is renewing your mind in? Reminding myself that I am the salt of the earth. Reminding myself that I am lit on fire. Reminding myself that I am his and he is mine. And if we can remind ourselves of that, people will start to look at your life and go, what is going on? Why do you look so different? And you're like, I don't know. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I'm a because I'm a worldwide minister. It's because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. No matter what it is that you do, you're a Christian. I love the story of, of Jesus when He goes. It's in Mark 5. Jesus goes to a man that's been in a tomb for a really, really long time. And it says that they tried to chain Him up. They tried to put Him in shackles. And yet, the man broke the shackles. And He constantly was cutting Himself. And He was constantly hurting Himself. It sounds like a a lot of people that I know that have constantly been hurting themselves, constantly degrading themselves, constantly thinking that God is putting His thumb on us and pushing us down and making us feel bad so that we'll change. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. It's the goodness of God that makes my life look a little bit different. And if I can embrace His goodness and I can embrace my saltiness and I can embrace what it is that God has put on the inside of me, then I will be different. And the world will see different and they'll go, man, I've been longing to be different myself. What is it that you're doing? And you're saying, hey, here's an invitation of a man who is on his knee and he's presenting himself to you. And he's saying, will you take my ring? Will you let me marry you? Will you choose to put it on every single day and hold his hand and go into all the world and the world will see you and this is what will happen? Oh, I was telling that story. I'll go back to it. But what, what I love about that story is that, like I was saying, it's not about being a big pastor. It's not about being a big minister. It's about His Spirit lives on the inside of you. But what I love about that story is they, they find a man who's been in a tomb for a long time. And Jesus looks at him and He sets him free. And what happens is, is the man gets set free and the world sees this man and they're actually really, really scared. They're terrified by the life because they've known this guy that he's been lost. He's been crazy. He's been out of his out of his out of his mind. And so what they did is they separated him because he was crazy and Jesus sets him free. And it says the people came after they heard this story. They came and they saw him in his right mind and they were afraid. They were afraid of the freedom that this man had been given. That again is super silly because it's like. Why were they afraid of somebody that had been set free? And it just doesn't make sense. It makes people ask questions. It makes people start to question their own selves. And, and they look at him and they're like, um, yeah, you're free. And they ask Jesus if he'll leave. Because they're afraid of what it is, this power that Jesus carries, which is simply to love. And so in them asking him to leave, Jesus says, okay, Gets his disciples going to the boat. And the man who got set free runs to Jesus. And he says, let me come with you. Let me come with you. I'll, I'll share this Gospel. And he says, no, I want you to stay here. And I want you to tell everybody in the land what it is that God has done for you. And if you look at that scene and you take a step back, discipleship and following Jesus may be one of the greatest things that you could have done at that time. It was, it was walking with the president. We have the president. What do, you, do you guys have a president here? You do? Okay, yes. It was, it's walking with the president. 
you'll realize us Americans have very, very little knowledge about other countries. We are sorry, but God is doing a work in us. Amen. But, but, but you see that story and he says, I want to, I want to, I want to go with you. And he says, no, 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 you stay here. And it's almost like he's saying, hey, I'm down to be a pastor. I'm down to be a minister. I'm down to, to preach the gospel and go all over the world and go into churches and, and big stadiums and preach the gospel. And he says, no, 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 I just want you to be a Christian among the people that you work with, among the people that you go to school with, among the people that you live life with, your family, your friends. Just be a Christian to all of them. And you realize, oh my gosh, Jesus is not longing for all of us to be up here at the pulpit. He's longing for us to just believe that He lives on the inside of us. Because that's His power. That's where His power comes from, is right believing. And in right believing comes right think, or in right believing comes right doing. And when we do, people do this. They do this. It says, nor let a light be put under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house right here. Let your light so shine before men. This is why we got to think these things about ourselves, guys, right here. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's why we shine, guys. So this isn't a message to, to help you Get to where it is that you want to get to. You've already been to where it is you want to get to, which is accepting Jesus. If you have accepted Jesus, you, you, you made it. You've been empowered by God. If you haven't accepted Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to accept that invitation because He wants to live on the inside of you. Because if He lives on the inside of you, the world will see Him and they will glorify Him. It's not a prideful thing. It's not an arrogance thing. It's not a self-centered thing. No, no, no. It's a lining up with God kind of thing and saying, no, I am empowered by God. This was His desire from the beginning was to live on the inside of me for me to embrace His hand in fellowship and to walk with Him into all the world and to preach the Gospel and to set the captives free, to set people free from mindsets and thought processes that they've been walking in, to lay hands on the sick and to watch them recover. To give truth in the situations that there's been a lot of dark areas. What a gift. And Christianity begins to change in our thought processes now. It's not about making it to church on Sunday, which making it to church is 100% absolutely beautiful. But it's not, it's not, it doesn't become about that. It becomes being a light into all the world. And it's the good news of the gospel that, that we get to preach to people. We get to let people know. And it's a beautiful gift. What a beautiful invitation. Amen. Amen. This, uh, this message is something I did not know for 21 years of my life. That Jesus longed to, to live on the inside of me so that I can bring him into the world. I did think it, at one point that it was about going to church. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, I was raised by a single mom who um, did her best to do what she could, but at the end of the day, um, 
what we were taught that um, what Christianity was was making sure that um, the church was served properly. And I'm not degrading the church being served properly, but my mom thought she was good in God's eyes when she served the church. So on the other side of the spectrum, when she's not serving the church, that she's not good in God's eyes. And guys, that is not the gospel. And so in that, I, uh, I decided to go down my own path. I realized that my mom was really struggling throughout my whole life, and it led me down um, a life of destruction. I lived with uh, a lot of partying, and just a lot of us know what, what I mean by that. I don't feel like I need to go too deep into my testimony. But I was lost. I was so full of myself. I was so full of the world. I was full of just darkness. And the amazing thing is, guys, is I had done the altar call and accepted Jesus into my life probably 20, 30, 40 times. <laughs> Anybody done the altar call more than once? More than twice? More than three times? Come on. Yep. <laughs> right. It's just wrong. It's wrong teaching. Jesus looks for that invitation one time and he goes, boop, I want that. I'll take that one. That's enough for me. Six years old, seven years old, eight, nine, all the years of my life. And so um, I decided in, in the life that I was living, a bunch of pride and self-centeredness, a lot of thinking just for myself, really only thinking for myself, that I was going to join the military. And uh, at, 21, at 20 years old, um, I had signed a contract, and I was, I was, joining, I was joining the Army. And uh, in my reckless living, in my um, rough lifestyle, I uh, decided I wanted to have one more party night before I left for boot camp, before I left for training. And uh, after that party, I had driven home, and on the drive home, um, I got pulled over, and I went to jail for drinking and driving. And so when I got out of jail, I called the Army, and by the end of the phone conversation, was told I could no longer join the military. And I realized right then, there's a lot of oohing and on. The story's good, I promise. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> and so in that moment, I, was, I really realized how empty I actually was. I think sometimes we just don't take the time to look ourselves in the mirror and go, especially when we're not following the truth, and go, how am I doing? How in this life am I doing? Am I, am I embracing anything? Am I, am I changing the world? Am I transforming? I didn't even understand transformation was even available. I knew I wasn't serving in the church, so I must not be right with God. And in that moment, after I realized that, I cried a lot, and uh, I went and lived with my, my dad at the time, and um, I remember I woke up the next morning, and that, em that empty void in my heart was still there. There was still such a hole in my heart, and the only thing I understood at that time was, okay, I'm supposed to probably pray, confess my sin. I didn't know what being a Christian actually looked like. And so I, uh, I had a cup of coffee and I sat down. And before, before the first words came out of my mouth, I heard the voice of God for the first time in my life. And He spoke to my heart. And He just said these words, Tyler, I understand. And He spoke that to me. And I was struck because my whole entire life, I didn't think God understood because I wasn't doing what it was that I was supposed to be doing and I wasn't living for God and I wasn't going to church anymore. I wasn't 
I wasn't becoming anything. And in this moment, a, a, a beautiful father, a beautiful embrace, open arms came to me and said, Tyler, I understand. And what he was saying in that moment was, I understand that you're sorry. I understand that you're remorseful. I understand that this is your open door of repentance and saying, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. And I'm going to completely cleanse you from here on out. And my heart was completely changed in that moment. And I took a nice three-hour nap after that. <laughs> and I woke up, you guys, in the presence of the Lord. And that's again when I found out what the presence of the Lord actually was. Was it was so heavy but it was so light. It was so real, and at the same time, it took faith. And I was like, man, is this what God is ultimately like? Is a person that wants to be around you. He's not hiding in the shadows. If any of you have been walking through that thinking that God is hiding from you, God is keeping Himself from you, He's right there, and He's available. But it takes faith. It takes that faith of embrace and saying, God, I believe that you're holding my hand. I believe that you're right there. I might not feel it. I might not be experiencing it right now, but I believe that you are right there. And God can't help but respond to faith in those moments. And so I, was, I, was, I knew I was born again at that time. I was like, like I said, I had done the altar call a bunch of times, but I knew in that moment, wow, God is actually my Father. He's actually my Lord. He's actually my God. And for eight and a half years, I've been following Jesus. And I've been excited for eight and a half years. I've had joy in my heart for the past eight and a half years. I've had a message to tell people. And it's that, hey, Jesus' hand is available. And He's desiring for you to take it and embrace it. And now bring Him around to your schools. Bring Him around to your workplace. Bring Him around to your families. And guys, I know that sometimes it's really, really awkward. But something I think we have to have is an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective that if you went to somebody in your work or you went to a family member and you said, hey, Jesus' hand is sitting there available and, and you thought it was awkward or, or strange, so you're like, I don't really want to talk to them. When we get to heaven, they're not going to say, hey, um, thanks for leaning into the awkwardness. No, they're going to say, thank you so much for leaning into a moment that was awkward for you because now I'm standing here and we're going to live in eternity forever. We have to have that perspective and say, man, Jesus set me free. I might not even feel like I have the right words to say, but I know he's going to fill my mouth when I step on the scene. It's beautiful when we embrace that and we say, man, if I can live with an eternal perspective that the conversations I'll be having in heaven, I I'm okay to embrace here on earth. There might be weirdness. There might be awkwardness. There might not be, like you might not feel confident. You might not feel built up. But you are no less a son or a daughter today than you're going to be in that time. You're not doing better today than you're going to be doing in that time. You might see things a little bit differently. You might feel a little bit differently. But God, when you accepted him, moved his whole being on the inside of you. And he says, I live in you. So you step in front of people and you embrace people and you watch what ends up happening. And then you know what you're given after that? Testimony upon testimony upon testimony. It's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite things about the body of Christ's testimonies that would encourage people. You can't help but read the book of Acts and go, man, is that, is that available? Like, I'm, I'm open to that. I'm down for that. That's, that's really, really exciting. Because when you read it, you're like, man, is, if that is real and he actually does live on the inside of me, because the book of Acts, the beautiful thing about the book of Acts, guys, is Jesus wasn't walking at that time. 
but he was living on the inside of men. And he was empowering men to live out this gospel and to embrace people. That's what's supposed to be exciting about the book of Acts. Is yes, Jesus has has left this earth in the flesh, but his spirit lives on the inside of me and he's longing to go throughout the world and preach the gospel and preach the message of reconciliation. And you watch what happens. You'll be able to, when, when Eaton gives you the opportunity to speak, Eaton is your name, right? I told him today, I said, I've never met a man named Eaton. It's not really, an Amer- Ethan is the American version of Eaton, but do you guys have Ethans here too? Okay, okay. <laughs> but I'm embarrassed. I should just sit down. <laughs> but I was, I, was, I was telling him, there was something I was telling you. Do you remember what it was? Yes. What, what was I talking about just now, though? Yes. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, testimonies, yeah. Um... I made a joke and then I totally forgot about what I was going to say. But it is, it is. Us Americans can be very forgetful at times. Forgive us. But it is, it is our ministry and it is our calling for us to believe these things about ourselves. And in believing these things about ourselves, God gets revealed. God gets revealed and that's, all of our hands would go up that I've accepted Jesus. We would say, that's really the only thing that I care about if God is revealed in my life. And when God is revealed in our life, He gets the glory. He gets the honor. Praise God. And they don't have to look at us. They, don't have to look, they get to look at us and they get to look unto us, but they ultimately get to go to what my brother's talking about, beholding Jesus. Look at the Lamb of God. And in looking at the Lamb of God, you will be changed and life will make sense. We will have this thing and it's called purpose. And people won't be questioning why I'm on this earth. We have a next door neighbor that I've just gotten the opportunity to become friends with. And he's agnostic. He believes that there is a God. He doesn't really know, um, he doesn't really know who God is, but he believes that there is a God. And I've just decided to make friends with him. I mean, we, I, I get to talk about Jesus because it's who my life is, but he doesn't push me out the door, which is a big, big deal a lot of times when you talk about Jesus. <laughs> They just, they're like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want what you have. But he opens the door every single time. He's like, come on in and we'll talk. And the other day, we actually, I got the opportunity to, um, am I good on time? Okay. Um, I got the opportunity to, to, to go over and, and he said this sentence that really struck me, but it empowered me to get to preach the gospel. He said, he's like, yeah, man, I, I, uh, I'm going to university at the moment and uh, I'm doing accounting and, uh, you know, he's talking about money and files and the computer and stuff. And it's just stuff I'm not interested in. If you do that, praise God, we need you. I'm just saying (laughs) for me, I just don't love that. But he said, I'm doing and you could see his face. He wasn't excited about it. He wasn't happy. And I said, I said, bro, do you do you like what you do? He goes, heck no. I won't use the language he said, but he said, heck no. He said, no, I, I hate what I do. He's like, but there's good money in it. There's, there's advancements that you can have with it. And, you know, it's going to take care of me and, 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 and help me. And I said, so you're basically, you're basically living for money right now. And he's like, yeah, I mean, what else is there to actually even to live for? 
and it was just like a, do you guys play softball here? Softball, baseball, baseball, but it's, it's just like an easy toss. Like I just, I get to hit it out of the park. And I, I said, man, um, let me tell you what it is that I live for. I said, I wake up every single day happy with the life that it is that I lived. And he said, yeah, I'm not there. I said, I get to wake up and if I died today, I would still be happy with the life that it is that I lived. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't live that either. And I said, I'm, I'm happy every single day. I walk up to people and I, I talk to people every single day. I embrace people every single day. And I love this life that I've been given, that I, that I live. And he's like, yeah, I don't. And I said, man, the entire world lives like that, that, that we would have this mindset that this life is all about paying bills. And, and making it through and hoping that we have enough, enough money for next month. And it's, it's a shame because of the gift that God offers to all men. Not to those of rich status. Not to those who have it all together. Not to the kind. Not to the ones who have great degrees. It's to everybody. To every single person. And he says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to do this for the rest of your life. I'm going to put myself on the inside of you and empower you to live out this life that if you can actually believe that I live on the inside of you and you would step in front of men, you would see change and transformation that will happen not only on the scene and on the surface, but in their hearts. And they would walk away and say, man, I actually have a purpose for being here. I have a reason that I'm living. I have a reason to wake up tomorrow. And it's something that we're lacking in the body of Christ even is understanding why are we Christians? Why are we even here? I'll tell you why we're here. To be loved by God. To love God and to love people. It's the two commandments Jesus gave us. He says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And He says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus came here for one thing and that's to reveal love to us. And it's amazing. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5. I'll end with this. 2 Corinthians 5. You guys good? Yeah. This is, this is our ministry, you guys. This is absolutely beautiful. This is what we are all called to do and to preach. But I'm going to start with this part. I felt like the Lord wanted me to address it. I don't usually, but in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Jesus needs that to sink into our heart, you guys. That we regard no one according to the flesh. He actually is about to bring up as well, even though Jesus was here at one point, we don't regard Him according to the flesh. He is a spirit. He lives on the inside of us. So when I approach my neighbor, I need to not see him or her as this flesh being, and you've done this to me, and you've done that to me, 
You've taken, you've said stuff you shouldn't have. We can't regard people after that. Jesus embraced people knowing that they were full of sin, knowing that they had made mistakes, knowing that they had mess ups in their life, and yet he embraced them. I love that, that story of the woman who's brought to him in adultery, and he, you know, obviously turns the men away by saying, first one who has, has no sin, cast the first stone, and they all leave. And he goes, where are your condemners? And he, she goes, there are no more. And he goes, and neither do I condemn you. And that's the life that we are called to, is when, when it comes to walking up to people or workmates or classmates, that we wouldn't look at them according to the flesh. We wouldn't look at them for the wrongs that they've committed. We would see them as children, as, as sons and daughters of God. And some of us will go, well, Tyler, they're not even saved yet. And Jesus wasn't looking at people that way. He was looking at them and going, man, I can see if God lived on the inside of you, you would be different. So I'm, I'm going to approach you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to embrace you. And I'm going to give you the invitation to ask Jesus into your life and let him empower you and become your Lord. And that's the way that we need to see people, not according to the flesh and the mess ups and the mistakes they've done. Some of us have family members that we've been holding to a high standard of. I was not going to say that, but I just felt like the Lord told me to say it. And this is not a condemning thing, guys, but some of us have had family members held to a really, really high standard. And we've said, you don't have the right to do me wrong. You don't have the right to talk back to me or disrespect me. And Jesus never, ever saw us that way. Even when Peter was walking with Jesus for three years, he said, you're going to deny me and my hand is still going to be available when I come back from the grave. And that's the heart posture that we need to have. And again, the heart posture was already given to us. The, 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 that new spirit was put on the inside of us. So we need to stand before the Father and, and look, look at God and say this, Father, I thank you. This is not a religious thing. I'm, not, I'm just showing you guys, giving you an example of what it looks like for me in my life. But I say, Father, thank you for changing my heart and given me a new heart. Thank you that you have put a heart of love on the inside of me. I may have not been loved five minutes ago, but my identity is love. And I'm going to love the next person that puts themselves in front of me. I'm going to look like you, and I'm going to live out the gospel because he has empowered us to. That's a relationship right there. That's what relationship looks like. It's not about a, a, a one time on, on a Sunday. It's about a relationship and connecting. My wife and I, if I only talk to her one day out of the week, what kind of marriage could we say that that is? But it's a continual embrace. It's a continual pursuit. It's a continual reminding myself of who I am to her and who she is to me. And in that, we have great intimacy. We have great love. We have great connection. And then people ask questions. How do you guys have such a great marriage? You must be married for a long time or whatever. And we just get the opportunity to say, no, we just don't look at, we don't count our own lives. And we say, I'm here to serve her. And she says, she's here to serve me. And it's a great exchange of life. And questions are asked in the midst of it. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you've accepted Jesus, this is your call. I hope somebody told you that when you accepted Jesus, this was your call, but if you don't know, now you know. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new.
We have to see ourselves as new people. That's a gift, guys. That's such a gift that I don't look, have to look at myself as the attitude I gave my wife this morning. And I'm just a, a mad husband. I'm just a frustrated husband. No, I get to say, God, thank you that I am not that thing. And just like you are, so am I on this earth. That's not blasphemous, guys. It's Bible. It's biblical. The Bible says in 1 John 4, it says we have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because just as He is, so are we in this world. I love that last part, in this world. He didn't say when you get to heaven one day. No, no, no. He said in this world, just as I am, so are we. And in that moment, we get to go, oh my gosh, that's a totally different gospel than I grew up hearing. Thank you, Father. It just turns into abundance of thanksgiving. I love what Eaton was doing. He was just saying, hey, let's just be really, really thankful today. Paul says that we abound in this life. Colossians 2. It says we abound in this life through thanksgiving. We talk about abundant life a lot in the body of Christ. I came to give them life and life more abundantly. How do I live out this abundant life? By being thankful. And in being thankful, we realize what we've been given. We've realized that we've done nothing for it. And we just sit to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for putting yourself on the inside of me. Thank you for what it is that I do have. I'm not going to condemn what it is that I don't have. I'm going to be thankful for what it is that I do have. And in that moment, you start to live like a Christian. And people look at your life and go, I want what it is that you have. Amen? Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are all ministers here, you guys. Of what? Of reconciliation. Reconciled. Does anybody know what that word reconciled means? It means bring back to friendly relations. Friendly relations. It means becoming a friend. We've all been given the ministry of we have become friends of God. And if I have become a friend of God, then I'm going to act like He's my friend. I'm going to live life by faith and say, my God is with me and He's holding my hand and He's walking with me. Amongst, he prepares a, a, a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So a lot of us, ha a lot of us think that our workmates are our enemies. So okay, then He's prepared a table for you. So go eat among them. And watch what happens when God shines through you. And He who began a good work in you, He's going to do it. He's going to reveal Himself through you. Don't feel like it's something you've got to work yourself up or listen to a message long enough to, to be able to preach the message when you stand in front of people. No, authenticity is something that people love. When they see, wow, you actually believe this and you don't have notes and you don't have this and you don't have that. You just have just Jesus. Like, that's beautiful. My wife and I got to go to a shoe store the other day and we approached a man and, and I said, hey, I just I felt like the need. I, just, I don't always feel this need, but I felt the need to ask him. I said, hey, bro, what do, you, what do you think about Jesus? And he's like, man, I, uh, it's weird that you're asking me this. And I was like, I was like yeah, I just, I just felt like on my heart to ask you. No, he goes, it's weird that you're asking me because a few days ago I was praying that God would give me a job and it was, he said that he wasn't making enough money and that he needed 
Um, <clears throat> he needed to make some more, and he ended up, the next day, ended up getting a job opened up. But I don't think he was, he wasn't a believer. I don't think, I think he like said that he believed in, in God, but he didn't necessarily know if it was Jesus. He just didn't come off as like somebody that professed Jesus openly like that. And I said, I said, um, he's like, he's, he's freaking out, and he's, he's like, what? How did you, how did you, like, how did you know? I've, I've, I've literally been like, this is so crazy. And they're like, people are blown back by you just approaching them and asking them a question. What do you think about Jesus? And, and he's like, man, this is, this is absolutely crazy. I said, yeah, uh, I just felt like I was supposed to come up in here and tell you that Jesus loves you and that he's got a plan for your life and, um, and he, he's pursuing you and he desires your heart. And he's like, bro, this is freaking me out. And people are, are blown back by this. And I was just like, yeah, I just felt like the need to ask, is there, a, is there any prayer needs that you have? I would love to pray for you. Anything going on in your finances, your, your health, your family? And he's like, yeah, my, uh, my parents. I said, what, do they, do they have any health needs or anything like that? He goes, no, their relationship is suffering. And I'm like, I've known you for like, like two minutes, and you're telling me that your parents' relationship is suffering, and they're probably going to get a divorce? I mean, this guy is... 30 years old, so they've been married probably for a good long time, and he's like, yeah, they're, and I said, I don't want to embarrass you, I don't want to put you on blast in front of your whole work, but can I pray with you real quick? He goes, dude, with a moment like this, it's not embarrassing at all, let's pray. And we got to pray and bless his family and just say, God, thank you for what you're doing in his family, and I don't get any of the credit, God's going to restore that marriage, and he's going to look and go, wow, there is actually a God who hears prayer, and that answers prayer and I got to tell him his name's Jesus so we get done praying and we're, he, he, he works in a shoe store so he's like he's freaking out he's just moving stuff around you ever get nervous and just start moving stuff around he's just like I'm just so blown away right now like what are you what are you even doing here and I said I just love Jesus like I just I don't even know he goes I'm not even religious though like I don't I don't go to church I don't why are you I said I'm not religious either and he was obviously thrown back by that and he's like He's like, what do you mean you're not religious? I said, I just love Jesus, and I just step into people's lives at times, and amazing things like this happen. To where, I think this is where I was going. To where you're able to have a, you're able to have a testimony, and you stand before people, and you tell them how simple it is to preach the gospel to people, and people start to realize, wow, I have the same situation going on in my life. It must be really easy to simply tell people about the goodness of God, and when we tell people about the goodness of God, people are amazed, and they're desiring, but then your church and your body gets blessed by it, and they go, if you can do it, I can do it, and if I can do it, then other people around me can do it and now you have the ministry of reconciliation you have the gospel going forth and people go wow this is really really simple and easy and it was supposed to be simple and easy and if it was difficult it would not be the gospel that's the beauty of Jesus is that he's really simple but he's so deep and he's so profound that's beautiful let's finish We've been given, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation, friendly relationships between, he's become our friend, and that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, not imputing their trespasses to them. 
I don't even need to preach that, guys. We can't impute the world's trespasses to them. We can't impute the mistakes to the world. And Christians, we can't impute those things on people. Jesus never did. And has committed to us, or and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. He's pleading through us. He's He's longing to talk to the person that's sitting across from you. And he's saying, just let me plead through you. You know, getting up here, my prayer anytime that I speak is just, God, if you had the microphone, what would you say? And that's what we can do with our lives is saying, God, if you empowered this person, if you live on the inside of me, then whatever you have for the world today, you just do it through me. You just do it through me. I give you the free invitation to do whatever it is that you want to do. My ear is inclined to your voice and I'm moving forward. And I know that you're prepared. You've overcome the world, so let's do this. And that voice a lot of times will come in, yeah, but what about yesterday? What about the attitude that you got yesterday? What about the lack of kindness that you had? What about, and all these voices are going to come into your ear and say, no, 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 you're not empowered to do this. It's just like Jesus in the garden when the enemy's right there and saying, if you were, and it's always questioning your identity, it's always questioning who you are. And the only thing is, is he's just trying to get you to not know who it is that you are. But if you can remind yourself in those moments, hold on, I'm a child of God. None of my trespasses are counted against me. I'm forgiven. And not only am I forgiven, but I'm empowered by the Spirit of God. I'm going to go into the world and preach the gospel. Jesus, what is it that you have for the world today? Use me and use me and use me. And you realize, man, I'm not just an accountant. I'm not just a mom or a dad. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And guys, it's, it's one of the greatest callings. that you, It is the greatest calling that you can accept as a believer. And you will not be unsatisfied. I promise you, you won't wake up and wonder why I'm on this earth. You will know. And people will ask you, why are you on this earth? And you said, and you get to say, to love the world. And explain what love truly is. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as, as though, see it this way, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And this is maybe one of my favorite scriptures, and we're going to end with this. For he, Jesus, made him, well, the Father, yes, God. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. In Him. If you've received Jesus, you are in Him. And that's what He did. He said, for He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The simplest way is this. He put Himself into my shoes so I could put myself into His shoes. And whatever shoes that He has on, we need to embrace and say, those are the shoes that I'm putting on today. Clean, cleansed, secure, strong. I'm a bride. He's my groom. I have a father. I'm not an orphan. 
I have a brother. I have a friend. And in that message, you guys, people start to realize why they're on this earth because they were made in the image of God. And if they're made in the image of God, God said, I'm going to put a message on the inside of men that can fit into everybody's situation. And when it fits into everybody's situation, they realize, wow, this is what we were created for. We were created to be loved. Whether it's God through me or it's God in their room, just them and the Lord, the Lord is a lover and He longs to love on people. And this is the message, guys, that we get to preach. And we're going to see the world change through this. So I encourage you, today when you go to lunch, now you guys are like, dang, now he's giving me a job to do. <laughs> I've been giving you a job. God has given you this job. He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. And guys, it's scary, but I promise you, on the other side of fear is the greatest, sweetest intimacy you've ever desired. One thing that I love about being married is my wife and I, we get to have moments of tension. But on the other side of tension is true intimacy. And you realize, guys, when you preach the gospel to people and you get to simply explain the goodness of God, you walk away and you're like, this is what I was created to do. This is what I was created to do. is just simply tell people about Jesus. And what the enemy likes to do, though, is he likes to push you away. He likes to encourage people to say, hey, don't listen to what this guy has to say. Reject him. Make him feel bad about approaching you. And then that lie gets caught into our mind and it sometimes can drown us. But we need to look at that and go, Father, I thank you that you love them. Pray for them and go on to the next and watch what the next one. Watch what happens with the next one. And watch what happens with the next one. And you will be filled with testimony of the goodness of God. And when you're filled, people get filled with that understanding and then they go out into the world and they preach the gospel. Jesus changed the world and He preached a message that still stands today by 12 men. 11 ultimately. But they realized why I'm here on this earth is to preach the gospel, never imputing their trespasses against them and just simply telling them about the goodness of God. Because the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Amen. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.